It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Warning this podcast contains descriptions of murder, torture, and abuse. As a result, it may not be suitable for everybody. Deer Park, Texas. Within the Houston, Sugarland and Baytown metropolitan area. It's located in Harris County. And as of 2010 census, the population is around 32,000. Listen to the hometown murder case, Ronald Clark O'Brien. Nicknamed the Candyman and the man who killed Halloween. He was an American man convicted of killing his eight-year-old son on Halloween 1974 with potassium cyanide lace pixie stick that was essentially collected during a trick-or-treat outing. O'Brien poisoned his son in order to claim life insurance to ease his financial troubles as he was in debt of more than $100,000. O'Brien distributed poison candy to his daughter and three other children in an attempt to cover up his crime. However, neither his daughter nor the other children ate the poison candy. He was convicted of capital murder in June 1975 and sentenced to death. He was executed by lethal injection in March 1984. Thank you. This is the first of a two-part Halloween special for Hometown Murders to kick off the first, second series of Hometown Murders. This episode is released today, Saturday, the 31st of October, 2020, Halloween. And then on Monday, the 2nd of November, 2020, we'll have the second part of a different city. And then we will release new episodes every Monday from then on in. This is the case of Roland Clark O'Brien, the candy man or the man who killed Halloween. He lived with his wife Darlene in Deer Park, Texas with their two children, son Timothy and daughter Elizabeth. O'Brien worked as an optician at a Texas State Optical in Sharpstown, Houston. He was a deacon at the Second Baptist Church whereas he also sang in the choir and was in charge of the local bus program. In October 31st, 1974, O'Brien took his two children trick-or-treating in Pasadena, Texas. O'Brien's neighbour and his two children accompanied them. 
After a visiting home where an occupant failed to answer the door, the children grew impatient and ran ahead to the next home while O'Brien stayed behind. He eventually caught up with a group and produced five 21-inch pixie sticks, which he would later claim he was given from the occupant of the house that had not answered the door. At the end of the evening, O'Brien gave each of his neighbours two children a pixie stick and one each to Timothy and Elizabeth. Upon returning home, O'Brien gave the fifth pixie stick to a 10-year-old boy whom he recognised from his church. Before bed, Timothy asked to eat some of his candy he collected, choosing the pixie stick. Timothy had trouble getting the powdered candy out of the straw, so O'Brien helped him loosen the powder. After tasting the candy, Timothy complained that it tastes bitter. O'Brien then gave his son Kool-Aid to wash away the taste. Timothy immediately began to complain that his stomach hurt and ran to the bathroom where he began vomiting and convulsing. O'Brien later claimed he held Timothy while he was vomiting and the child went limp in his arms. Timothy O'Brien died en route to the hospital less than an hour later after consuming the candy. Timothy's death from poisoned candy prompted fear in the community. Numerous parents in Deer Park and the surrounding area returned candy. Their children acquired from trick-or-treating to the police, fearing it had been laced with poison. Police did not initially suspect O'Brien of any wrongdoing until Timothy's autopsy revealed that the pixie stick he consumed was laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide. Four of the five pixie sticks O'Brien claimed to receive were recovered by authorities from other children, none of whom had consumed the candy. The parents of the fifth child became hysterical when they could not locate the candy upon police calling their home to inform them. The parents rushed upstairs to find their son asleep, holding the unconsumed candy the boy had been unable to open the staples that sealed the wrapper shut. All five of the pixie sticks had been opened with two inches filled with cyanide powder and were resealed with a staple. According to a pathologist who tested the pixie sticks, the candy consumed by Timothy contained enough cyanide to kill two adults, while the other four candies contained dosages that could kill three to four adults. O'Brien initially told police that he could not remember which house he got the pixie sticks from. Police became suspicious of his excuses because O'Brien and his neighbour had only taken their children to home on two streets because it had been raining. Their suspicion increased after learning that none of the homes they had visited had given out pixie sticks. After walking the neighbourhood with police three times, O'Brien led them to the home that the group visited, but whom occupant did not answer the door. O'Brien claimed that he visited the house before catching up with the group. He said the owner of the home did not turn the lights on, but cracked the door open and handed him five pixie sticks. He claimed to only seen the man's arm, which he described as hairy. The home was owned by a man named Courtney Melvin. Melvin was an air traffic controller at William P. Hobby Airport and did not get home until from work until 11pm on Halloween night. 
police ruled Melvin out as a suspect when nearly 20 people confirmed that Melvin was at work. Their investigation furthered. Police learned that Ronald O'Brien was over $100,000 in debt, which is roughly around half a million dollars today, and had a history of unable to hold a job. In the 10 years preceding the crime, O'Brien held 21 jobs. At the time of his arrest, he was suspected of theft at his job at Texas State Optical and was close to being fired. His car would, was about to be repossessed and he defaulted on several bank loans and had the family home foreclosed on. Police discovered that O'Brien had taken out life insurance policies on his children in the months preceding Timothy's death. In January 1974, he had taken out $10,000, equivalent to $50,000 today, in life insurance policies on both his children. One month before Timothy's death, O'Brien took out an additional $20,000 policies on both children, despite the objections of his life insurance agency. In the days preceding Timothy's death, O'Brien had taken out yet another $20,000 policy on each children. The various policies totaled approximately $60,000. O'Brien's wife maintained she did not know about the insurance policies on her children's lives. Police also learned that on the morning after Timothy's death, O'Brien had called his insurance company to inquire about collecting the policies he had taken out of his son. After learning that O'Brien had visited a chemical supply store in Houston to buy cyanide shortly before Halloween, he left without purchasing anything. Police began to suspect that Ronald O'Brien killed his son. Police theorised that O'Brien had laced the candies with poison in effect to kill his children to collect their life insurance policies. They believe he gave other children the candy in effect to cover up the crime. The other children never consumed the candy. Police reportedly questioned O'Brien but maintained his innocence. Although police never discovered when or where O'Brien bought the poison, he was arrested for Timothy's murder on November the 5th, 1974. He was indicted on one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. O'Brien entered a plea of not guilty to all five counts. O'Brien's trial began in Houston on May 5th, 1975. During the trial, a chemist who was also acquitted with O'Brien testified that in the summer of 1973, O'Brien contacted him asking about cyanide and how much it would be fatal. A chemical supply salesman also testified that O'Brien had asked him how to purchase cyanide. Friends and co-workers testified that in the months before Timothy's death, O'Brien showed an unusual interest in cyanide and spoke about how much it would take to kill a person. O'Brien's sister-in-law and brother-in-law testified that on the day of Timothy's funeral, he spoke of using money from Timothy's insurance policy to take a long vacation and buy other items. Brian continued to maintain his innocence. His defence mainly drew upon decades-old urban legend concerning a mad poisoner who had handed out 
Halloween candy laced with poison or needles or candy apples with razor blades inserted. These stories have persisted despite the fact there are no documented instances of strangers poisoning Halloween candy. The case and subsequent trial garnered national attention and the press dubbed O'Brien the Candyman. On June 3rd, 1975, a jury took 46 minutes to find O'Brien guilty of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. The jury took 71 minutes to sentence him to death. Shortly after he was convicted, his wife filed for a divorce. She later remarried and her new husband adopted her daughter Elizabeth. At the time, men sentenced to death under Texas law were confined to the LSR unit near Huntsville, Texas. According to Reverend Carol Pickett, a former chaplain who worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, O'Brien was shunned and despised by his fellow death row inmates for killing a child and absolutely friendless. The inmates reportedly petitioned to hold an organised demonstration on O'Brien's execution date to express their hatred of him. O'Brien's final execution date was set for August 8th, 1980. His attorney successfully petitioned for a stay of execution. A second date was scheduled for May 25th, 1982. The date was also postponed. Judge Michael McSpadden scheduled a third execution date for October 31st, 1982, the 8th anniversary of the crime, also Halloween, and he offered to personally drive O'Brien to the death chamber. It was to have been the first time Texas executed an inmate by lethal injection. The Supreme Court delayed the date yet again to give O'Brien a chance to pursue an appeal to seek a new trial. A fourth date was scheduled for March 31st, 1984. O'Brien's law lawyer sought a fourth stay on the basis that lethal injection was a cruel and unusual punishment. On March 28th, a federal judge rejected the court request. On March 31st, 1984, shortly after midnight, O'Brien was executed by lethal injection at Huntsfield Unit. In his final statement, O'Brien maintained his innocence, stating he felt the death penalty was wrong. He added, quote, I forgive all, and I do mean all, those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours, end quote. During the execution, a crowd of 300 demonstrators gathered outside the prison, cheered while some yelled trick-or-treat. Others showed anti-death penalty demonstrators with candy. Ronald O'Brien was buried in Forest Park East Cemetery in Webster, Texas. Timothy is buried in Forest Park Lawndale Cemetery in Houston. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.